quite a while at the close IO on the product and engineering side. And could you tell me a bit about the team structure right now? Because the company, it's like you're in the company around 11 years, right? I have been, yep. Yeah, part, part of that is like, you know, I think the role has just kept evolving over the over time, you know. First few years, we're building up the product from, you know, building up the product from nothing from scratch, seeing our first customers come in, you know, writing the first lines of code, doing all that. And then, um, and just kind of being heads down and like building, you know, building great, a great product. And then um, pretty quickly after a few years that that didn't keep working with like a super small team. So kind of had to figure out the hiring side and um, starting trying to hire um, specialists in different areas. We, we were a team of three that were pretty full stack kind of generalists doing, you know, doing all of everything from UI product management, the infrastructure side, back end, front end. Um, so, um, kind of, a I, I kind of see it, my role have, as having maybe like three or four phases. And so kind of the second phase was like, um, hiring, you know, teams of like hiring our first infrastructure focused engineer hiring our first, you know, front end focused engineer, eventually hiring a designer, that kind of thing. Um, and so, but, um, overall just the, you know, things have kept changing over the years and we've been able to do kind of higher quality, uh, work and kind of a, a larger quantity of work at the same time. Um, and then of course the business has grown, which has made things kind of more interesting as well. Cool. Thanks. And how the structure of the team looks like today, I mean, on the product engineering side. Yeah. Like full stack developers, you are the VP, like the directors of engineering, how this is uh, structurized. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I am our VP of product and engineering. So um, product management, product design and engineering um, are in my uh, area. And so uh, we have basically, I have four direct reports, um, a, a product design manager, a group product manager, who leads product management and then a um, director of backend engineering and then um, a person who leads all of front end engineering. And so we, on the engineering side, we, we are split kind of functionally with like front end development, backend development underneath the backend umbrella. We have an, we have an infrastructure like SRE team of a few people. And then on the backend side, um, our director of backend uh, engineering has two, backend development managers plus the infrastructure team manager. So basically we have three little backend teams of just maybe four or, or so people, four or five people each right now. And then on the front end side, we've, we've got a kind of a similar setup with two front end um, dev teams. So at, whenever we kind of, we're, we're definitely right now kind of more, we're definitely split in terms of like backend and front end as kind of the biggest distinctions. Um, part of that has been because um, our, you know, the way we built close um, is it's got pretty clean separation between the front end and the back end. It's a single page app. Um, the front end is JavaScript and React and that kind of thing with kind of very cleanly over what primarily has been our public REST API communicating with the back end um, or now doing a lot of GraphQL, but kind of still a very clean separation. So that was probably, you know, one of the bigger reasons why we were kind of splitting the teams in that way versus more yeah. like purely functional in the product or something. Makes sense. Do you still code a bit? Um, good question. Uh, not very much. I definitely, I definitely miss coding to some extent. Um, I will very occasionally, um, try to do something super tiny. Um, 
you know, on maybe just like some random side project that goes nowhere kind of outside of work to kind of just get to play with something code wise or at work. Um, it's usually something even tinier, but like I will, um, on occasion, you know, maybe just a couple of times a year, like, you know, try to fire up the dev environment, see how painful the dev environment is, <laughs> you know, try, you know, try to like ship something super tiny, like a typo fix or something, or, uh, I can't remember even what the last thing was. Um, it's been a little while now, but yeah, I, I do, um, but only on only something, you know, small and mostly just to like help me remember, you know, some of the pain points we might need to be working on or just kind of have a better appreciation for that. So how are this uh, today for you? Like, how does the day or how does the week look like? Is it just simply like, you know, a lot of meeting and pushing the things forward, like roadmaps and so on? Like, how, how does it look like for you? Yeah, we um, so we're all remote. We're uh, the company is about 70 people. Product engineering is about 35, I think. And so we're kind of split between US um, time zones and European time zones. So my mornings are usually pretty busy because my, I'm on the East Coast in the US. And so my mornings are often, you know, either one-on-ones with European time zone people, um, like my direct reports or like a skip level one-on-one. Um, or uh, we, we, tr we tend to try to put more of our like meetings of you know, multiple people, those tend to be also in like the morning hours so that if there's people from different time zones, um, that we, you know, we try to like be somewhat time zone friendly so that no one's having to like be on a meeting at crazy hours. Um, so yeah, I think like combination of, you know, one-on-ones with my direct, I, I'm trying to do skip level reports, skip level one-on-ones, um, or I guess it's like double skip with some individual contributor engineers, try to talk with everyone on my team, um, I'm, I'm now at like a quarterly schedule with, uh, with the double skips and then like about once a month or so with, um, skip levels and then weekly with my direct, direct reports. And then, um, got like one or two team kind of syncs usually in there. Um, that's like either I'm meeting with, um, like product, like engineering leaders, like the managers and kind of just focused on something kind of leadership related or more kind of roadmap focused, um, kind of looking at some of the, up, like an upcoming cycle that we're trying to plan and, uh, uh, you know, kind of fl fleshing out what that might look like on the product side and together with engineering. Um, so. Okay. And how about the uh, C-level management? Because I, I yep. could assume that you are next to the CEO and C-level guys like in the US thinking about the strategy and taking the responsibility for the product engineering side, how totally. this is with, with, with those guys. Yeah. So that's less meeting heavy, but definitely, I definitely work kind of closely with, um, I'm on the senior leadership team. Um, we are, um, we're doing these quarterly meetups in person. So I'm, I'm heading to Miami in a, in a couple of weeks for like a quarterly senior leadership, um, get together. And, uh, we, you know, we tend to have like monthly, um, monthly meetings. And so, um, yeah, we're, you know, the Steli and Anthony, um, are two of the founders that are kind of on that team. And so work, work very closely with them on both kind of the big picture product vision, what we're trying to do, as well as just kind of like, you know, overall company objectives, what are we trying to focus on? What, you know, what KPIs are we trying to move? That sort of thing. Do you have any OKRs or... Mm, kind of like a fundament that you talk about during those meetings that you need to translate to the goals and the K KPIs, let's say, for the tech product team? 
Yeah, we so we we don't use um, we don't use like the OKR system specifically, um, but we you know as a company we are we do have some sort of like top level you know here like the biggest it might be like right now I'm just using an example of of a time in the past but like right now top of funnel is our biggest focus so anything we can do to try to improve like top of funnel um, would be like something that's kind of most important for the company. And so then I, I would kind of get together with product and engineering and we would kind of try to figure out like, well, what could we do to help with that um, kind of big picture company goal and uh, like help inform the roadmap, help inform what we're working on, something like that. Or like when, when COVID hit in 2020 and every kind of everyone was very uncertain about the economy, we had like some big goals around cost cutting and just, so we, we did a lot of engineering projects around like for the probably one of the first times ever in 20 in 2020 we took a really hard look at our aws bill and all of our infrastructure spending and everything mm. and we we kind of came up with a whole long list of projects that we could that we thought could really kind of move the needle on on that particular goal so kind of all mapping to main company priorities um yeah and then cool. we, yeah and then each of my each of the teams like so product design Product management, front end engineering, back end engineering, and some of the sub teams within those um, areas are we are setting um, quarterly goals. So we we just put out a wiki post um, quarterly that's just like here's a summary of what we did last quarter for each team, and then in aggregate, and then here is like a per team breakdown of goals that that team generally is setting. Um, kind of in addition to whatever like product feature each type stuff we're building, there's usually some other like more technical goals. Um, could be on the hiring side, could be on like a tech debt or error rate side, something like that. And so okay. they, those get reported out to the rest of the company, but those are not necessarily part of some like comprehensive company goal system. Mm -hmm. Okay, makes sense. And I'll just, out of curiosity, because like we are running on OKRs, we try different stuff, uh, like, you know, for last seven years, um, you know, you read the book and then you <laughs> you implement the, the new framework, uh, which is a mistake. But for the last like two or three years, uh, we are following the OKRs and this is working pretty well. But still, I have the uh, my, my my thinking about this is that even though this is made in like in, in let's say sixty or seven percent, the sixty or seventy percent, it's still okay, right? Because it's like almost impossible to get hundred percent. I don't know how. What is your approach regarding the the goal setting and the the the, the realizations of those KPIs and goals uh, within your teams? Yeah, I think if you're always kind of hitting hundred percent of your goals, it's definitely definitely could be a sign that your goals are not um, aggressive enough. So, and I and I. I assume that's kind of part of the OKR framework. I think I've heard that before when I was at Google, um, just as an intern. But um, yeah, so we, you know, we're setting goals. We're going back at the end of the quarter and evaluating those goals. Um, you know, as you know, sometimes it's just hit. Sometimes it's just completely missed. You know, we just didn't get to that, and either there was a good reason or a bad reason for it. And then sometimes it's like partial. Um, and uh, yeah, that's I can't remember the exact question, but that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, my question was like uh, missing the missing the goals, and that's it's almost impossible to get like hundred percent. And what you said that hundred percent, like doing each of the goal, like on a hundred percent level on each quarter, it, it makes sense that it's not aggressive enough, or maybe yeah. not the bold bold enough. 
But yeah, I think, like, sorry, just to interject yeah, yeah. something there. I think predictability of kind of we say we're going to do X and therefore we do X. I think that's really good. So you want some predictability, um, but you just need to balance that with well, you know, if we're sort of easily able to hit our goals every quarter, like why are we pushing harder? Like what would be what would be like a stretch goal? So we actually do set stretch goals and we mark them at, with the word stretch um, in. Um, our cycle posts, we use the shape up, um, kind of product development methodology and, um, in sort of the, when we're describing what we're going to ship from like a feature perspective, we might say like a stretch kind of goal of the cycle is to do X. And then also as like an engineering, um, focus goal, we could have like a stretch goal in there too. And so those, those are good. That way you can kind of set some, it helps kind of set expectations that this, mm. you know, maybe don't expect this one as, you know, as strongly as the rest, but we're still kind of aiming and stretching for something like that. Okay, Make, makes sense. Um, and could you give some examples, let's say, I, I really like your approach that you have really transparent way. In fact, you gave the two examples, right? Really good examples, like cut, cut, uh, uh, cut, uh, cutting the costs. And the second one was to, um, to, to optimize uh, I don't remember the second goal, but, but like you have really, really transparent approach at the close IO. So when you're on a C level or the high management level, you, you have a goal, then you, you give it to the people, but you, you talk in the same kind of matter and try to translate it. But could you tell like about like a few goals from the past or from current that doesn't matter, like more or less like a few goals uh, like that you give to the team and how you translated it to like uh, low level goals more or less. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the cost cutting one, that was, that was like a very big, like, you know, we, we want to, you know, like, we don't know, like the state of the economy is like super unclear in, you know, April or May, 2020. Right. So like just every team, like try to figure out what you can do. You know, we want to avoid doing layoffs, that kind of thing. So that was, so what that looked like was, um, you know, a lot of brainstorming, um, a lot of like, you know, estimations on what impact a particular project might have. Um, and then just a lot of like execution and then going back and like, did it do what we thought it was going to do on a particular, you know, Hey, we think if we do this engineering project, it will change, you know, if we, if we rework our, you know, backend in this way, it will reduce this particular, you know, billing metric in AWS about the amount of like bandwidth used or whatever. And then we think that'll have X savings. And then, you know, like after that, like, let's go back, like, did that actually work? So, um, if you're yeah, looking for more examples, like, um, top of, like top of funnel growth was the other one that I mentioned earlier. So, oh, yes. um, you know, that's, that's kind of like one where you might kind of naturally think that's kind of more of like a marketing team's job. Um, and I think in general it is, but as we, as like a product and engineering team, we would then kind of, we could look at our kind of list of potential features that we're going to build or how we're going to build them and say, um, you know, like the ones that we think seem like from a product management perspective are going to be more attractive to pers like prospective customers. Um, we might rank in that while that's kind of a big company wide goal, we might rank those features more highly than the features that um, a new prospect aren't going to, isn't going to be caring about, but it might make a, like a current customer like happier or less likely to churn. So we, like at another point in time, we might be like, Hey, our churn is too high. We really want to focus on reducing churn. So in those cases, we might like shift more of, more of our kind of feature 
you know, feature development kind of focus around that. Or it could be like, hey, quality of our, like quality is just not good right now. Um, this is probably not going to be like a top level company goal, but it could be something maybe, maybe churn is the top level company goal. And so one of the buckets within engineering is, you know, people complain about bugs and like kind of the quality of the software. So let's kind of make sure we do some focused initiatives around, you know, bug squashes or reducing error rates of our API or reducing, you know, in-app error rates or things like that. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, then, yeah. The error rate one is one yeah. where um, like our backend team set a, like they set a, we use roll bar right now for our error, like our error tracking. So our backend team, you know, said we have X number of like unique roll bar errors or whatever, um, per or just like the total in the last 30 days and by the end of the year we want it to be you know a fraction of that and then each quarter they kind of measured against that okay thanks and regarding the errors i have one question regarding the technical debt um i'm just wondering because uh your company with pretty strong i think startup culture right you you are pretty it's it's not like a big organization like big enterprise pretty loose atmosphere I, this this is what kind of feeling i'm getting and the tech depth during the period of transition through so many years uh this is something with which the startups uh struggle like the moving from the mvp to the proper product and like proper versions of the product a couple of them on the way so do you have your approach to it? I mean, like if you talk with the business people at the company, usually everybody is saying like, hey, I need the features, I need the features, I need the features, right? So yeah. how to explain the tech step that at some point you need to solve it or the developers are pushing to solve it? Like what, what is your approach here? Yeah, good question. Yeah, and, and <clears throat> I think we've, I think we have not cut like too many huge corners along the way. So, you know, it's not like we've had, um, I, I don't know, probably some engineers would disagree with me, but, uh, you know, I think our tech debt scenario has never been like catastrophic, but, um, just the fact that it's 11 years old, you know, we started just on the front end, we started with like backbone JS and eventually migrated to react, but not everything is in react yet on the, on the back end, we started with kind of some patterns and putting everything in Mongo and then ended up with a different architecture and not print, not using Mongo as much. So definitely have like various, um, you know, eras of how we've done development and, um, tech debt as a result of that. Um, so in general, we try to tackle tech debt alongside other feature development that alongside feature development that's related. Um, so a good time for us to refactor something is usually when, um, when we want to work on that or an adjacent thing, kind of where it makes sense. Like, um, I, that's like that kind of that whole philosophy like okay we're working on this feature it's an it's a naturally good time to rather than continue pushing in the old pattern now let's like refresh it and add the new thing um that's kind of like a natural way that, that then you're not like fight kind of like having to like separately justify time um that's ex like has no end user benefit effectively um and it's just kind of a part of like raising the quality bar of everything we do as we go one of those pieces is code quality. You know, at the same time, we're trying to raise the quality bar of, you know, like the design and, um, you know, like maybe the copy that we use or things like that. So 
um, cook, you know, or the, like the, te- the amount of tests that we're doing or how we're doing tests. So uh, just as part of raising the bar and kind of meeting our current minimum quality bar, we might be retouching existing code when we're working on that thing. That's easy to justify. In addition to that, because that's, that's oftentimes not enough for the, the, the areas that are causing you the most pain, there, there may just never be like the right time. So um, I guess like maybe two more things. One thing would just be we do, we do set aside um, occasionally like a, you know, a person or, or maybe even a couple of people that are focused on some technical project that has no immediate user facing benefit. It's just, Hey, we really need to like upgrade this database or we have this, like just this library needs to go or whatever. We, we want to like, just make this area more rock solid in terms of, you know, connecting to our data stores reliably or whatever it is. Um, so, you know, I encourage our engineering managers to champion like what I'll call like engineering sponsored projects as we're doing cycle planning, as we're kind of slotting in the next batch of work. So I'll encourage them to kind of figure out what those things are in sort of a similar to how we do like product and feature development where, you know, don't like best if you don't pitch it as like a six month project, like what is the, what is the, like, what can we do in six weeks or three weeks that you'll get a lot of value out of? Um, of course, trying to, um, trying to take those projects and make sure we're being really strategic about what those things are. You know, there's a whole, like you could come up with sort of a never ending list of things we'd like to do to make our code quality better or reduce bad dependencies or whatever. Um, but what, you know, what are the things that are really help that will help us move faster that will, um, that, you know, like make our development team happier or whatever, like what are the kind of the most strategic things out of all of our, um, out of all the possibilities. That's kind of the second thing is just, specific projects. And then the third thing is we now on both the front end and back end team have at least one. And in some cases we might be adding a second person that is purely in like a reactive role for a given amount of time. So uh, we call that like production support. And so they, that person, um, you know, that person is there to like help if support finds a bug and it's like, well, like, are we just ignoring this bug for now or whatever? Um, that, you know, this person is like around for anything reactive that comes up so that we can be tackling, you know, and then we're not kind of distracting the proactive teams. There's kind of like a reactive person or persons and then kind of like a proactive um, team. And that's kind of like even during our six week feature development cycles. Um, So that's the third thing. And then the fourth thing is just um, we do this six week cycles and then two week gap gap or um, cool down weeks in between. And those two weeks um, for kind of all enge- all of engineering are, there's definitely some time spent like preparing for the next cycle, but kind of it's also meant to be a time of either like more freeform fun exploration of some kind of crazy idea you have, or just knock out something that's been bugging you t- technically look at some bug, you know, improve our, like upgrade some library, whatever. So we kind of have built in every eight weeks, two of those weeks are built in time for that. Okay. Thanks. Uh, I, I like, really like the number three with the wingman, let's say for, for the, for the team so they could stay focused. So that's a cool idea. Um, and regarding the, your VP role, I'm, um, I'm really eager to hear how this involved, like you were a senior developer, then you were like director of engineering and now you're the VP. So could you tell me more about the changes of those roles? Like, was it naturally for you? 
you felt or, or the management felt this is the way to go and you learn on the way or, or you felt you are doing this job, like how those positions are different, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had different titles kind of as we've, as we've gone, um, you know, just like starting with kind of an unofficial like head of um, engineering title and then, um, yeah, for a long time, like director or senior director and then, and then um, the VP uh, promotion was kind of more like more recently as I took back over leading product develop product design and product management. Um, I think the biggest difference between, you know, I think like broadly directors are generally um, like managing managers. And then, um, you know, I think VP level is just like that plus um, just more focus on kind of like the most strategic things. So I'm, I'm trying to make sure and it's, it's, it can be a struggle, but I'm, I'm, you know, working very hard to try to not get too much into the weeds on any given idea or project or initiative, trying to stay kind of very high level, spending most all of my time with like the, the engineering and product leadership side. And I spend a lot more of my time with, you know, kind of with or focused on the kind of company-wide senior leadership, um, like objectives or um, kind of issues or cross-team type stuff. Um, so yeah, that's that's probably the biggest difference. Okay. Thanks. And and how do you see like the biggest challenge of the current role? What are the biggest challenges that you need to solve? Yeah. Um, let's see. We, I mean, we've got, you know, we've got some technical challenges. We've got, we've got like a, a pretty, um, pretty impressive and um, sophisticated like search and filtering system that we're, you know, we're looking to kind of do a next iteration on, um, from like a, um, from like a database perspective is kind of like a big challenge that we've got. We, from the, on the feature side, um, we are, uh, like we're building a workflow automation engine right now, um, to let, like, let our users, um, avoid, like, for example, having to use Zapier or some other like third party workflow automation system to be able to just automate what you're doing in close every day. So that's kind of a big, that was kind of a big, um, challenge for us, uh, recently around, um, both, both on the engineering side and on the product side, and then making sure those two are kind of in alignment. Um, and just like, I think there was, there was lots of different ways we could have gone in building that feature. Um, and we are like, you know, working hard to make sure that kind of, again, backend and product are in alignment and that, you know, users are going to get lots of value out of it. Um, and then kind of on the organizational side, it's, I think just like, as we've been, you know, we're just scaling, we've been, we've added, we just added our third, um, product manager and at, you know, we just added a couple engineering managers and about to add a third new engineering manager, um, as we've kind of put in like, a like, I guess like a middle layer of engineering management. And so just, um, just wanting to, you know, just, just trying to be really careful about our culture and how we're doing that and, um, you know, how we're doing meetings and just like, um, basically just like trying to make sure we're scaling in a way that helps us, you know, not make things worse, but make things a lot better. Um, that's probably like one of the things on my mind the most these days. Okay. Are there any books, podcasts, or websites or blogs that you follow to help you out with the, the VP, let's say role? Um, Yes. Um, let's see. Good question. Um, I haven't consumed any uh, of that stuff super recently, so I'm going back a little a little bit of time. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely some good management books. Um, uh, like 
we spent a lot of time on um, radical candor um, a while back, and you know, there, I think there's some good kind of areas in there that it's it's not focused on the VP level per se, but on but there there's some good stuff on managing managers there, and then just kind of good management leadership kind of culture in general that we spent a lot of time talking about. Um, yeah, I'm I there's a there's a Slack community um, that I had spent some time in called the Rams mm -hmm. Leadership Slack. Um, okay. that, uh, I, that I thought was a good, um, just like way to connect with other engineering leaders. And at, I, it's been a little while since I've been in there, but they would, they have even like a thing where you could get randomly paired with a, another engineering leader and do like a one-on-one, -on -one, just kind of like mm -hmm. share challenges. That was useful to me for a while. Um, yeah, that's, those are the two that are coming to mind right away. Cool. Cool. I, I really like going uh, uh, for coffees, like let's say with other leaders that I admire and usually solving the problems with them or like, you know, uh, getting somebody else's opinion who is kind of experienced in the field. It's pretty, pretty useful uh, and pretty yeah. fast to solve. Honestly, that's honestly, that's the biggest thing is just like, like it's for me right now, it's been less on the like blog post and podcasts and that sort of thing. For me, it's been a little bit more on just personal network and kind of reaching out to some other engineering um, leaders that I know and getting their take on how we solve this problem. Or So we, or right now, something kind of brand new we're doing is we just launched um, or just published our first um, QA engineer role. And we've mm -hmm. never hired for that role. It's never a role I've ever kind of worked with in a team that I've been a part of. So um, that's an area where I was like, I, you know, I just need to do some learning on this. So I've had a couple, a couple calls with other engineering like leaders or CTOs or VPs that, um, you know, they've had QA people on their team. And so just like, you know, quick brain, mm -hmm. let me just like pick your brain on this, or can you give feedback on this job post or whatever? So that's, that's kind of what's been most useful for me. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I have the same, I have the same approach. I like reading books, but you know, those business books and management book and books, I have a feeling that they don't tell everything and you know, they are <laughs> yeah. like most of the pages, like you don't want to read 300 pages sometimes to, to have like everything you have in a summary. Right. Uh -huh. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, GPT-3 can help summarize it for you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm doing it. Like I, I really doing it. Yeah, I, I did. I did it two days ago. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah, cool, uh, man. I have two more questions. Uh, one question is regarding your sabbatical because this is something unusual. If you could tell a few words about it, this is this is. I, I think it's super interesting concept, and uh, like, I really would like to hear like, how do you feel? after the sabbatical does it change anything or this is too short too long like you know yeah um yeah so first in background we have a sabbatical we have a policy at close now where um we give everyone a sabbatical of of four weeks after at their five-year mark this is paid fully paid in addition to all your regular pto pto for the year um and then we have another one uh, at the 10-year mark and so i took my first one um, a couple years ago. And, uh, yeah, it was interesting. Um, I think, you know, people kind of, go, and I was one of the first people on the team to take one. Um, cause it was like a policy we added later and I was just one of the first to take it. Um, and so I think kind of interesting on the expectation side, you know, everyone kind of hears like, Oh, you know, a month off, like, what are you going to do? Or, you know, all these big plans. And then they come back and I, 
I felt like I, you know, I felt like I had to like be able to like answer for my time almost. Um, not that, not that anyone really, not that that was really the case, but you know, it's kind of like, you know, what did you do? And so, um, you know, the time, the time definitely can go by really quickly. Um, you know, I think it's, it's not uncommon for people to like push off a lot of things that they have wanted to do. And, you know, for me, I ended up with like a super long to-do list kind of ahead of the sabbatical of things I wanted to spend time on and do. And, um, I got to do a lot of them, you know, and a lot of it had nothing to do at all with work, just like good time with family. We did some traveling vacations, um, some house projects, you know, caught up, like spent, you know, extra time with friends, um, that sort of stuff. And then some of it was more like, I'll say, you know, work or at least like kind of like computer related, um, where, you know, I wanted to like, I had hopes of like working on side projects and like mm-hmm. doing a, you know, doing a bunch of like learning and reading and things like that. And I, and I definitely got to do some, like some of that. Um, but the time, you know, the time can go by fast. A month ultimately is not a huge amount of time. Um, so, uh, so I think like, you know, just learnings would be like, uh, yeah, just like, be strategic in what you really want to spend time on. I think it was helpful to have some proactive things planned ahead of time. Like, like I had a vacation planned with the family and uh, it wasn't just like a month at home of like, you know, what am I going to do today? Like we had some plans, but I also had a good amount of time, just um, unstructured time, which gave me kind of space to like read, kind of go deep into something that I was just interested in that week for whatever reason. Um, And I think I ended up like, having a little space to meet some people that I didn't normally, um, some like local tech people, which was cool. Um, and yeah, I don't know what else was interesting. Um, kind of going, going into the sabbatical, um, kind of taking off, you know, as a leader, like sometimes it can feel really hard to take off kind of any, any extended amount of time you take off a week, everything can just kind of like be on hold while you're gone. Like it's, it doesn't really matter. Um, but you, you start to talk about like a month or more and, it's like, well, like what happens if this comes up or like, how are we going to, you know, set the next quarter's goals or whatever. And, um, I, so I tried to be pretty thoughtful ahead of the sabbatical on what are the things that I'm typically like bottlenecking? What are, what are the things that I'm doing that I don't really need to be the person doing? So I had, I, I think I created a couple wiki like process, like I just tried to like process eyes whatever, like whatever I could. Um, so created some floating roles of, um, or just like documented things better that I was doing so that it no longer had to be me that that was doing them. And that was a good, like having, you know, having to take some of that time off was a good forcing function. So for something that otherwise was a healthy thing anyway, which is that I didn't really need to be the person doing some of those things. And so like, it, it was just a good forcing function to kind of document and delegate that better. Um, and then also just, uh, yeah, just like let the team kind of do, you know, let the team like do more without you and kind of see how it goes was, was kind of fun. And I, you know, I got back and they had, um, done a lot of great stuff was, was cool. Was it, was it hard to disconnect from, uh, email and the Slack? Um, yeah, I think I, it's been a little while now, but I think that I, um, was just like fairly intentional to just try to like, never open it. Um, I did, I, did, I think what I was doing was just never opening Slack and then just like occasionally checking email, but not having it in like my default view of inboxes. Um, so that, it, you know, I could like see if there was anything super major. I think I had like one, one quick call while I was, um, on sabbatical, maybe two calls, but it was, it was definitely, it definitely was a good disconnect. Um, which was good. 
Cool. That that's great. I, I have a feeling that the best like the most important part is the disconnect from email and the communication on a daily basis. Yeah. I have a problem with that because like usually during the second week of my vacation, I usually I'm super interested what is happening inside the company, right? And then you are checking. So uh so, so this is this is not good, but um Yeah. I yeah. I think I was right, like instead of checking my email like a bunch of times a day, I think I was like checking, you know, once every day or two, just to make sure there was nothing kind of major, like super important. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we typically have, if I'm not in any meetings and I'm not in Slack, then our email is usually not super heavy. So that was, that was not too hard for me, but definitely like, definitely the goal. And I would say it was a success was just like get fully out of work mode, which can take a few days to like, stop thinking about it as often. Um, and then to just like come back with, and I think the result of that is just kind of getting out of the day-to-day -day stuff. Let me kind of come back with, um, I'll say like just a clear head and better perspective on what really matters, what's really most important for me to be focused on. Um, and uh, yeah, like it's hard whenever you're in all the day-to-day -day problems and like things that need to be done, um, it's, it's, it can be a little harder to do that. So it's kind of like a good reset of like, okay, I know what, like even going in before I even open Slack on my first day, I already know what the most important things I need to be working on are. Um, so let me like write some of those down and like get started on that. So. Cool, man. So, sounds, sounds super interesting. I, I think this approach is uh, worth trying <laughs> if the company is doing it. Yeah. Um, and the last question I'm, I'm really interested, like, how do you see 2023? Uh, there's a lot of changes on the market. The, the last few years are pretty, pretty weird, I would say. And now, like, there's the struggle between saying about the recession, maybe there is, there will be no, no recession, but especially in tech, tech is visible for VC founded super, like, uh, growth uh, focused companies. In your case, I, I, I don't think you are a VC founded and you you are not focused on like hyper growth and burning a ton of money. But in fact, I'm really eager and interested, like how do you see 2023? Uh, yeah. Do you see optimistic or pessimistic? Yeah. Uh, um, this is like just kind of a personal viewpoint, but I am definitely, uh, I definitely am like, you know, a little worried about the year in terms of just kind of overall, you know, recession, potential stuff like that. Um, but from a company perspective, yeah, because, because we're on the kind of self, um, self-funded profitable route, we have like far less to worry about than, um, a lot of other companies, which is good. Obviously we can be affected. Like if, you know, if all the VC funded startups are going out of business and, um, all, you know, like if all of our customers are going out of business, it doesn't really matter that we were profitable. Right. Um, but, um, I think in general, like, thankfully we're in a pretty healthy spot in terms of just like health of business and not having kind of overstretched. So as we look at this year, I think we're just trying to, we're kind of, we're trying to kind of take it a little bit, just like one quarter at a time. So, um, you know, we set some hiring goals for the year, but realistically we're kind of like looking at it one quarter at a, at a time right now versus, um, versus like maybe in years past we would just like kind of by default we're gonna do like a whole bunch of hiring and uh but right now it's just kind of like let's just like check in like we'll we'll have kind of a general direction but we're gonna like we'll we just know that we need to be kind of nimble if things are changing quickly mm. 
Okay, cool. Thanks. Like, few thanks for the for the whole talk. It was super interesting um, for me, and I think it will be super interesting for the listeners of our podcast too. Yeah, uh, so I'm I'm really thankful for your time here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks. Okay, so so we are finished. We then edit the stuff. Yeah. Uh, thanks for that. I hope you don't mind that we did it like instantly with that. Yeah, no, this was good. It's a bit of a surprise. So yeah. I just, you know, I just think like what I noticed that people are getting really stressful if we say like, hey, we now, now this is the meeting and now we will record like get ready and so on. I yeah. really prefer like a loose, you know, talk. Totally. Yeah, it's good. I mean, having, you know, being able to see kind of the questions and know what's coming next can be helpful. So I'm glad you sent them, but um, yeah, it was good. Thanks. Thanks, man. Uh, so thanks, Phil. Have a great day. And one more time. Thanks for the talk. Yeah, thank you so much. Have a good one. See you, man. Bye-bye.